Chris Jardine once promised Annan he would play with him for life if they could get him a ticket to see Rangers in the UEFA Cup final. And after they produced the goods, so did he. The midfielder came through the ranks at Ibrox alongside the likes of Barry Ferguson and Barry Robson. We'll look back on those days when he would get training gear ready for Gaza and Brian Laudrup. But it was a gala bank where he made his name across 17 years. After starting out in the East of Scotland League, he captained them as they moved into the senior divisions and is now a legend at the club. But after hanging up his boots, he's been learning the ropes in the dugout. In July, he was appointed assistant boss at Lowland League side Dalbeaty Star. We'll find out just how he's adapting to life in the new role at the Ironcroft Stadium. All that and much, much more as we go down the divisions. Good to have you along as we take a look at Scotland's lower leagues. A quick word for our sponsors, media agency 44 Creative. If you're looking for photographers, graphic designers, videographers or video editors to help promote your content, brand, organisation or event, then they'd love to hear from you. They make creation personal. Find out more at www.44creativehq.com. We'll include that link in the show's description on your podcast player too. Back to the show and please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. My name's Callum Graham, Ashfield striker, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. And a legend and Dalbeaty star assistant manager Chris Jardine is on the show this week. Thanks for being with us, Chris. My pleasure, guys. Guys, good to have a wee chat with you. I'm not sure yeah. who wrote that intro, mind you, but uh, thanks, thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll chat some more in a moment, but before we do, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club from League One down, then reveal the answer at the end of the show. So over to you, Paul, this week. Right, so they were formed after the town's original team, Kings Park, failed to survive World War Two. Their record victory was 20-0 v Selkirk in 1984 Scottish Cup. They were the first team in Scotland to install AstroTurf. Oh, Gareth Scott, this, he's, he's, he's read this somewhere. And now, a city, they have a medieval landmark that sits on a volcanic rock. Gareth's got it straight away. Look at that. No pressure here then, Chris, because I'll be asking you be first wrong. at the end. I might be wrong, Cole. Aye, no, you got it to it. It was the 20 nil, I think. You started nodding your head after the 20 nil. I saw that, yeah. I should have brought a pen and a bit of paper with me so I could have wrote those clues. You're going to give me them later on, aren't you? You'll give me them again, again. Chris. I'll not leave you to, to dry. <laughs> we'll find out the answer then at the end of the show. Hi, Stephen Aitken, East Coast Bayern Manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Dalbeaty star assistant manager Chris Jardin is with us. Um, do, you fear, do you fear you might not get things finished this season? I, th- I think, to be honest, that, that we've been thinking that for a wee while. Um, we've been keeping in touch, obviously, with the boys. Me and Richie, Maxwell, the manager, keeping in touch regular. And um, I think the best we were hoping for was maybe getting 50% of the of the games done. But 
think that's that's been kind of the chat now. Whether that's just rumours, whether um, where that's came from, I don't know. Um, how they would work that, I'm not sure. Um, but it's not looking great. It's not looking great. Um, but it is what it is. We've just got to take it on the chin and kind of just hope that we get some some good news at some point. Chris, have you had much feedback from the the, the league? And it's always good for for myself and Gareth to get find out what's happening in the other leagues. Uh, have you had much feedback from them and, and what their intentions are? Are they certainly? We had Kenny Young from the the West Region on here, who was pretty pretty adamant he was wanting to go back and and try and get some of the league finished. Have, have you guys had much feedback from that? It's been quiet. It's been quiet. We've not Richie. The last meeting that Richie was at. Um, said that the next update would be the 1st of March, uh, which is obviously a week away or whatever, a few days away. Um, I see the SFA had a wee brief statement that didn't say very much after uh, after the First Minister's announcement. So, no, we, we, we don't know. We don't know too much. It's it's, it's get, things that, that you guys are doing that's kind of getting the message out there and uh, and stuff like that, and letting us know more than anything, because no, we've we've heard very little, to be honest. When, when things were kind of changing at the start of January, I think Dalbiti were were kind of uh, vocal. I don't know if that makes it sound too strong, but they were clear in in their stance, weren't they? That that they felt mm-hmm. that that um, number one, the professional status of the Lowland League was maybe not quite the best way to go. Yeah. And they wanted the league suspended until the disease was under control. Is that still a feeling at the club? Would you say? Um, I, I would. I would say people are starting to get frustrated now. That where that initially came from was Richie, the manager, actually just put a personal tweet out, and that wasn't really anything to do with the club. That was Richie's right. own personal view. Um, Rich, Richie works with the NHS, and me and him had been talking because um, we, we might work. My work have been great with me and allowing me to work at home and things like that. Because I've got two young boys and stuff, so um, that came that came for Richie, um, and it kind of escalated a wee bit, and, and and the club were getting a bit of flack. I noticed that, that um, not from people within the game, but you know, maybe just supporters and stuff like that who were thinking that um, because of where we were sitting in the league, maybe it was a kind of get out clause for us, which was absolutely nothing to do with it. You know, our concern was was for the players. Um, going back to the families really at the end of the day, you know, bringing potentially going away, you know, as I say, my my work have been great and letting me work from home. Yeah, I can go. I could have went away to to Glasgow, whatever, you know, to to have a game of football. And some of the um, some of the places you've been, you know, it, the the the, the 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 rules are not getting followed and it's not no no necessarily the clubs but y- you'll understand what it's like you know when players get together it's hard to it's hard to keep them away from each other and things like that so they want to be together they want they miss the the banter and things like that and I just think it would have been unfair to to kind of ask players to do that and then come home and potentially bring things back to their family or into their workplace and things like that so um, we've not really spoke about it, though, to be honest, to go back to your kind of initial point, that there's not been much talk about that. It's just all been the players getting really frustrated. You know, the players are just wanting to play now. And what I will say is that we're, we are already looking towards next season. Um, and that's going to be hard. That's going to be really, really hard in getting players to sign next year because they're getting a bit fed up, to be honest, or 
Um, the kind of feedback that's coming back is that they're not sure if they're going to play because they don't want to be going away and not having showers. You know, they don't want to be travelling individually in cars. Um, it's just they're not really enjoying it anymore. So we're now looking more towards next season, to be honest. Just going, rewinding a little bit there, Chris, obviously Delbiti were one of the first teams to come out and kind of make yeah. that, that statement. I know you're saying it was actually the manager, not the club. What was then their take on it? Did they just come out straight away and then back the manager? Or were they kind of taken aback with that a little bit? No, no. Like when I say that, obviously it was a personal tweet for Richie, but Richie had obviously been speaking to the um, to the club, and, and and I think it was more a case of the club backing Richie, to be honest. Um, but everybody's everybody was fully within the club, players and um, officials and stuff like that, manager, coaching staff. We, we all kind of felt the same um, at that time. So although it was Richie's first initial personal tweet that came out. The club backed them right away, and that maybe escalated things and pushed things on a wee bit to kind of get our point across to the league. We've had guys from the Lowland League on the show. I was interested to know how you've, I know you touched a bit there, on how like the Lowland League have been able to to manage their way through through playing the game before this latest lockdown. You mentioned, you know, changing no showers, all that kind of thing. How, how did you find all that? that side of it um and was it sort of almost like a sacrifice that had to be made if the boys wanted to play and is that kind of balancing act a little bit hi absolutely I, I think initially it was a it was a case of you you wanted to play you know you just wanted to be involved in a game of football when you were you were just willing to to get back in the pitch if that's what it meant then great but at our level you know you want to enjoy things, you know. A big, big part of football is, is, is your teammates and and the carry on, you know, and the changing rooms. The the thing that I really like didn't enjoy is the fact that, you know, there's 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 contacts and things to be made in football as well. It's completely taken that away from the game as well. You you barely get to speak to. Your like uh, opposition managers, players, and um, so you, you, you can't go into the clubhouse or whatever after the game and have a beer or whatever and a bite to eat and have a chat. And it's just taken that. That's the thing for me personally that, that I kind of, that I miss. It, it doesn't affect me travelling in cars or whatever. I miss, miss no travelling the bus with the boys and things like that as well. But aye, it's that, you know, going and, and seeing people that you've not seen for a long, long time, you can't really speak to them. You know, everybody's really apprehensive. And um, so, aye, it's a, it's a shame. It's a shame. But, you know, we we wanted to get back playing. So, you know, we've we, we done it. And we'll continue to do it, hopefully, if, if, if we get the go-ahead to. Were you guys getting to use a changing facility at, at the Lowland League, or, or were you still having to change at the side in stands and things like that? Well, we've we've had we've done everything. I think to be honest, we've had um, we've been in changing rooms in the sense of that we've had three or four, so we've been split up. Um, we've had uh, where were we? First day of the season was was BSC up at Alloa, um, and that was like a church hall, you know, which was probably the best in all honesty because it was really big and everybody was spaced out, no issues. Um, up at Kelty, we were in a sports hall, which again was great, loads of space. Um, but we've actually we've had to change outside. 
like we've literally had to change in a terracing. Um, so we've 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 done everything. We've done everything. Um, at Dolbeta, we have not been in our changing rooms in Dolbeta yet. Um, the away team get the better facilities, so they're kind of spread ac- across our facilities there, and we've been cha- using a <clears throat> excuse me a wee changing facility for a local tennis a tennis court. So we've been split across changing rooms in there and then had to walk across a public park to get into Islecroft. So we've done everything, done everything, but you know, it is what it is and it's 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 been a bit crazy. But as I say, we've been playing football, so that's the good thing. The whole thing and it was a reason why I asked that question, Chris, because the whole thing, obviously our interim management committee at the West of Scotland is run by the Lowland League. It's the guys mm-hmm. doing that. We couldn't use the facility guys were changing in cars, we're changing in the pouring rain. I just don't know why, and it's great if you can use the facilities, but I yeah. don't know why somebody who plays for Dalbiti, Kelty, is as if they are more immune to it and, 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 and other teams can't change it. I just, don't, I just don't get the ruling or the understanding behind why somebody can go in and, and obviously ultimately the SFA are allowing that or the SPFL or will be allowing that. But then you go down, and then I've mentioned it in the show. Then amateur teams haven't haven't uh, you know played for over a year now. So it just to me to me is kind of kind of baffling. And that was that was the only reason I asked that question. But yeah. it, it's good to it's good to get an insight to see how other how other teams are doing it. Right. The the, the one the, the game that we changed uh, that we changed in the terrace, and that was in the Scottish Cup away to Largs. Um, right. and we were in the terrace and, and they so if that's similar to yourselves Paul but they their boys literally arrived in their strips because they've yeah. no got because they've no got the facility I take it that, that's big enough I didn't get to see their facilities so they, they boys arrived in their gear yeah that, and, and that's exactly what's happening and, and, and that brings a problem because the shorts never come back Chris oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely <laughs> How's the sock? How, how's the socks getting on? Are all the boys in your, uh, at your club are they cutting all the feet off the socks? Is all that carry so, on happening with you as well? Aye. So we've got a, well. There's a rule there, Chris. We have a rule, and if you uh-huh. want to cut, if you want to cut the feet out your socks, it's a five pound. You buy your own socks. Good mm-hmm. rule to implement to any club. But uh-huh. when the when the kits go home, somehow somebody always ends up with cut socks. I don't want cut socks. I never paid for cut socks. So I don't know what happens during the week how somebody managed to get their hands on a pair of cut socks, but it wow. seems to be that it seems to be the fashion. You wouldn't That's have been a man you would never have been a man yourself, Chris, for a cut sock. Never. Never. Believe it or not, I, I was I had a, that was I never had many superstitions, but I always used to wear two pair of socks when I played and boys couldn't believe that. I like my I always like my boots to be really tight, so I always had my own socks and then the, the club socks on as well. So never, never. Uh, I always remember Alan Irvin at Annan going daft at boys for doing that. Have you talked a second pair of football socks, big socks? No, just a, a, wee, socks. Pair of, a wee pair of ankle socks. socks. Aye. Aye, and then, then my shinies and that's then my socks. Aye, that's all right. That's allowed, eh? That's allowed. <laughs> you obviously took up your role during lockdown, didn't you? The, the new role and and how how have you how have you kind of found that you you went in after I think Stuart McPherson. Went away to Dubai and there was an opportunity there. Was it something that you'd always been keen to to do post playing? And, and how have you found it? Do you know? Do you know what? It, it's it's not something um, 
that I was really looking to do, in all honesty. Um, I, I touched on earlier, I've got two young boys, and I was kind of no wanting to... My my job that I do, I normally work shifts, so I'm kind of... I can work at night and stuff, so I'm away. I'm away from home, like, quite a wee bit and, and miss the boys and, and my wife and stuff like that. Um, so... No, I, I wasn't really looking at it, to be honest, but it, but that's where maybe lockdown was a bit of a blessing for me because my work's changed and I'm not working those shifts anymore. I'm working through the day, I'm working Monday to Friday, so it means I've been able to get to every training session, I've been to get to every, I've been able to get to every game. So um, it came totally out of the blue um, for Richie. Uh, Ian Anderson, uh, I'm pointing over there because he, he lives across the road from me. <laughs> um, but, uh, so I bumped into Big Ando when he moved in across the road, who was at Dobiti at the time. And just a wee chance conversation, he was like, I think he'd saw me out running or something, and he was asking me about, do you know, fancy coming down to play? I was like, you kidding me on? No, absolutely no chance. What about coming down just to help out? I was like, ah, well, we'll see what happens. And then a couple of days later, I got a message for Richie talking about Big Stuart going away. Um, and, it, and it came from there. I spoke to my wife and um, my wife's actually from Dobiti, so I think that's where... I got to go ahead, to be honest, because she was like, oh, well, we could come down and see the family and stuff. So I um, thought, aye, let's go. We'll, we'll give it a shot, see how it goes. You know, Richie was great. He says, look, it's a great help to me. But if you're there, you're there. That's a great help. If you can't be there, you know, we'll deal with that at the time. Um, and I, I've loved it. You know, I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. There was, um, as, as I said earlier about, we're starting to look at next year. There's already been a message sent out to the boys to get back to us privately, you know, what they're thinking next year. Um, and the same message went to the coaching staff and things. And I just went back straight away saying, aye, I'll be there next year. So um, I've enjoyed it. I have enjoyed it. It's been good. Um, totally different because I've never um, never really coached adults, you know, never never coached in men's football at all. It's only really kids that I've been involved kids' football I've been involved with. So it was new, still learning. Um but Richie's really good with them. Richie's Richie's a good coach, good manager. So I it's, it's been really good. I've enjoyed that. Geographically wise for our listeners, Chris, how you know in relation to Dumfries, where is Dill beating and, and how are you guys finding the journey? Because it's quite a few uh, longer away trips for you in that league, isn't there, in terms of you mentioned uh, Celtic and stuff like that? Uh, I don't, so Dolbeatis uh, in the Stuart Tree, so um, it's about, what is it, 40, 16 miles away from Dumfries, um, near Castle Douglas, so um, it, it's not it's no the best of roads, so it'll maybe add half an hour on for your journey from Dumfries, so you're going away from Glasgow again, so it's it's like a way half an hour further down the road. Um, but, it, you know, it, it, it's not a bit. It's half an hour. It's half an hour away. Um, and there's only, I think there's only a couple of boys that actually live in Dobie. Um So there's only two local boys that, that stay there and the rest are, are kind of scattered over kind of Dumfries area. And we've got uh, a boy for Carlisle as well. So um, the, tra- the travelling's fine. And I think... That's probably one thing that's better when you're going in the cars because, you know, the boys just jump in their cars and they're up and down the road in no time. Whereas a bus, you know, you're picking everybody up. So maybe maybe as much as you miss that, it's maybe a blessing for the boys just to get straight down the road after games and things like that. And where would your furthest trip be 
in that league? Would it be Upper Kelty, is it, for there? Kelty. Kelty be the furthest one, I think. So so far, anyway, Paul, Kelty's been the furthest one, aye. And, and the standard yeah. in that league, you're, you're touching on Kelty there, and your old teammate Barry Ferguson. Uh, mm-hmm. Some real quality in that league, isn't it? Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was, it's funny, we were, like, pre-season there, we were looking at, obviously, on Twitter and things like that, and you've seen the signings that, that people are making, and um, it, it's frightening, but it's great. It's great for the league, and it's great for us to, to kind of, like, as coaches, to, to come up against the likes of Barry, um, Steve Aitken at, at East Kilbride and things like that, Ian Durant's obviously there. Similarly for the players, it's great to kind of come up against them, and like I, I know for, my, for for myself when I played, when you when you play the bigger teams with you know with the maybe necessarily bigger name players, I think you you get a wee bit more out of them, don't you? You kind of they're a wee bit more kind of up for it. I've, I've, I would always have more of a worry. Um, no disrespect to any teams, but I would always have have more of a worry of the boys going up against somebody running about us in the league than than going to Kelty or East Kilbride because I think you get you know you're going to get more out of them in terms of their application and things like that. And in terms of Delbiti, again, for our listeners, is it a, is it a small-town team? Do the locals come out and watch you? Obviously, again, and, that, and I'll use Barry Ferguson because he's a huge name in Scottish football. Kelty come down, will they, will they come out and support and, and numbers just to kind of see some of these guys? I absolutely. The, the, the community do. I, I've no experience that as a as a as part of the club yet obviously but I've played there many a time and it's a really good place to go the people are great um, but I the locals the locals come out and come out and support our team and, and particularly when you do get the likes of Celtic coming down I'm sure once we do get back to normality um, that I they'll, they'll, they'll certainly be there'll be a good few hundred people there there's, there's still like you know you'll get about 50 people trying to see over the big wall at the side of the park now even coming to watch us and stuff like that so now the, the town are very supportive and stuff like that that's that's superb i'd lo- I, I honestly i'd love 50 people just peeking over the over the wall <laughs> 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 you, you said you found it different coaching adults uh, have you also found it different on a match day and by that i mean like going rather than being the player and and maybe the Less control, if that makes sense. You have on a match day now. You know, once once the players go across the the white line, you can't influence things in the same way. And you know, how how have you kind of coped with that? If you like, I think uh, what what I've noticed or what what I've picked up is how moany footballers are. <laughs> how they moan about absolutely everything. And and I know I was like that as a player. And when I'm in amongst the boys and I and I see what they're moaning about and. And things like that. I'm going. That was me. That was me. You know what? I don't know how long ago it was. I retired really now, but um, as I, I suppose it is. And and you look at the game and and you think to yourself, well, I would, I would maybe have done that, or or what would I have done there and stuff. But you just got to get that across the right way. Do you know, I've I've never always said when I when I went in that I never wanted to be anybody that went when I played. I done that, and I and I've not done it yet. I promise you, I haven't done it yet, um, and I really don't want to be like that. So I think you've just got to be careful in how you try and and get your point across, you know. And um, I'm I'm quite I'm quite quiet on the touch line, but I'll I'll try and kind of you know just maybe pull people with, rather than shout. 
Um, Richie gets a bit more involved. I've got to kind of calm him down from time to time. But um, I, it's just players just want everything. They want absolutely everything done and they moan about the slightest things. And um, that's the one thing that I've found. And, and it's kind of scared me a wee bit that that's what I used to be like. <laughs> Would you say that's a, a kind of gen, you got a young squad? Is it a generational thing? Do you think, or when you when you look back to being in that kind of Ann and change room, you the, the the senior pros and guys that you maybe looked up to? Do you think now guys just don't have that kind of same maybe respects the wrong word, but it's just they want everything done for them. Absolutely, Paul. Aye, absolutely. There's there's like there's a there's a good few boys that that are with us that played. Um, that were at senior clubs like Sir Queen of the South and things like that and uh, I, it can be like um, I hope none of the boys are going to listen to this actually because I'm kind of sticking them in a wee bit aren't I? Chuck them under but the I, bus it, Chris <laughs> <laughs> I, it just can be like little things that you know like the game owes them something you know it's um, I don't know I, I've just always always kind of thought of myself that I, like I, I try and give absolutely everything like I, I, I wouldn't be there if I if I wasn't committed and things like that. Um, and I realise these boys are not getting, you know, they, they've got full-time jobs and stuff, so so you've got to kind of think about that a wee bit um, as well. But I just think there's, it's definitely a generational thing, definitely. And just a wee, just a wee bit of commitment lacking and um, I as if the game owes them something. It's funny, funny you touch on that because we, prior again to lockdown, were looking at going into this Reserve League, which is the under under 20s league, mm-hmm. and uh, we were approaching players, and and not just players, parents. Aye, my Bobby, he was a he he played with with Rangers. He never played with Rangers. Do you know what I mean? He was there. He was there as a kid. And, like me. Uh, <laughs> Do you know that he was there as a queen of the south? And it's the dads, it's the, it's the mums, it's the dads, it's the expectation. And you think to yourself, and they know why to come and play under 20 football. Now, at our, ground, at our ground, I was up there doing a bit of work, and there's a crowd of kids come over, and I, and I said to them, Do you all playing with every one of them named a pro youth team? It's just who he's playing with now. Oh, nobody. You know, so, you know, I mean, it's this kind of, I played there when I was 16. It is as if the, mm-hmm. as much what you say, as if the world owes these boys are living. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like, I, I, thinking back as well, I, I, like, I wish I, I wish I didn't, but I, I think I definitely took it for granted when I was, when I was 16 to 18. You know, I wish I could go back and do things differently and stuff, but... Um, aye, I, I totally agree with you. But we'll touch on your career in the show. But from your point of view, you were there. You were you, you were in there. You know, working every day. Some of these boys have, uh, that, that we are talking to have not even got that. Not even got that, that stage. Not even got to that stage. You know, they played with the under 14s They played with the under 16s And I just think to myself, aye. I don't know whether all these clubs now are just casting a net out there, bringing anybody in. They play two or three games and they sign that. me, oh, when I was at Motherwell or when I was at Livingston or when I was at that, and they've never and they've never actually played. And maybe that for them is them. That's them reached their ceiling. That's what they think's mm-hmm. made it. It's crazy, and, and yeah. it's definitely harder to, to, to sign players. You, these, these boys will end up either falling away from the game just because of their expectation levels. So. I, I totally agree with you. 
How uh, how have you found the season as well, Chris? I think when the latest lockdown came in, you were sitting 15th out of the 17 sides in the Lowland League, one win from 10 games. Is that part? Does that kind of record go back to what you're talking about a little bit about the way the boys felt and about building for next season? Those kind of things. How tough? How tough was it on the park? Very tough. But see, when you're when I'm hearing that back, I didn't think it was as bad as that. To be fair, one win in ten. That's not great, is that? Uh, no, it, the boy. We've actually done all right. We, we've 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 done no too bad in terms of you know we're a, we're a decent football inside, but as as the season's gone on, losing goals has affected us. You know, we, we we've been on top in quite a few games, um, and we've no went in front. You know, we've missed chances, and we're a young we're a young squad, and and they maybe just kind of let things get to them, and lose our goal. And and um, I'm I'm thinking of the uh, the Huntley game, the Huntley game. It was was one of the last ones I think we played before we finished. Was um, it was honestly the best that we've played. It was we were fantastic for half an hour, and I'm no kidding on when I say that we we could and should have been three or four nil up. We we were excellent chances we missed. We hit the post, one crawled, all, all that stuff, and then we lost a goal. And I, think, I don't even know. I think we ended up getting beat three one. I can't even remember what the final score was, but we just collapsed when we lost that first goal, and that's where. That's where we're we're having we're we're having our issues and um but we're not we're not too bad we we just kind of could could have done with a bit of a luck bit of luck and didn't seem to happen for us we had a really tough start as well which was maybe we spoke about that too much to the boys you know but we were looking at the fixtures and going crikey look at these first five or six fixtures if if we can be coming out this way a certain amount of points we'll be doing all right. And then we seem to be saying that every single week, you know, right, we need to, we're playing maybe no one of the, the, the top teams now, so this is where we need to pick the team to pick the points up. Um, but it's been difficult, It's but it's a good squad to work, to, to work with. Um, as I say, they, they, they have their moments in terms of the wee moans and stuff and commitment issues from time to time. But no, we're, I, I don't think we were ever, we, we were very confident that, that we would start to, to get out of that that bottom three, which is nowhere we want to be, you know, we're looking at kind of mid table. Whether we'll get the opportunity to to do that this season, I don't know. We'll need to wait and see. Maybe the managerial union here, but you you Gareth read that stat out there, which to some people is like alarming. But I always say as well, there's levels within levels, and you look at some of the budgets in your league. I mean, I, I don't know what the, you guys in the budget, you guys, I mean, you're talking, we're talking about the Kelties and we're talking about East Kilbride who, who will be spending more money than lower league SPFL teams. That is a real, real tough league in there. Mm-hmm. And how, how, how do you guys compare with all that in terms of your squads and your numbers and your budgets and stuff like that? Is it, is it a huge, huge gulf for the beating? It will be. In all honesty, Paul, I've got, I've got nothing to do with the budget. That, like Richie, Richie deals with that. I mean, when when I went in, we've not really brought too many players in, so I wasn't involved in any discussions and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I mean, the, the gaps will be incredible. Um, I'd be surprised if we know that um, we'll have the lowest budget in the league or thereabouts. Will be similar to where we're in the league. Will be the bottom two or three. I would I would imagine if not the bottom. Um, Squad wise, we carry about we've got about twenty, but that's made up of 
Uh, we've got a few loans in as well. Um, so wh- when we spoke at the start of the season, we just kind of tried to get the spine of the side. That's where we kind of looked to, right, we might have to... Um, this is where we maybe... The budget that we have got, whatever that was, that's where we maybe need to spend the majority of it and then look at filling in run about there with some loans and stuff like that. We've got which we've got some good loan loan players in actually to be fair. But aye, the, the gaps are the gaps are incredible. Or they will be, because I don't I don't know, I don't know the figures, but you can only imagine, you know, with some of the players that they've got there that there's a lot of money kicking about. But no 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 that they'll be unfortunately. And you touched on the loans there and the kind of the local teams to you, sort of your Annans and your Queen of the South and stuff like that. Do you do you utilise that? Is that kind of where you get your, your loan signings from? Hi, we've got good relationships with the local clubs, so um, we've got uh, we've got loans in for Queens just now. Uh, we've not got anybody in for Annan, but we were just before lockdown. We were we've actually spoke to Cami no long after after he took the job at, at Annan, so. Um, we were going to be getting a boy in on loan for Annan as well, so we've got good relationships, which you need. You, you definitely need down down our way. Um, and Richie's got Richie's got some good contacts as well. So um, that's we've got to utilise that. We've, that's 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 simple. And of course, you've got Carlisle on your doorstep as well. Uh, and you, you touched uh, on there's some guys that have come up and played for you from down there. Aye, we've they've had uh, boys for Carlisle before. I know, I know, for being at Aaron that we had a that's a market that that we uh, tapped into a lot and and still do. They've got a lot of boys for down south, but aye, we've got um, Jack Dickinson down down for that way. The now um, who's a very very good player. So that's the kind of thing you've got to do as well. You know, you're asking likes of Jack for Carlisle and saying, what have you got? Is there anybody that you know down down your way that that we could that you think could do a job? That's the things you've got to do. Is your best is your best recruitment on times, isn't it? Asking other people on the team and yeah, you got a, a pal that can play. Absolutely, absolutely. Don't let me get me wrong, we wouldn't they? Um it's not gonna be like a a George Weah Graham Soonest thing at Southampton. We're not just gonna <laughs> chuck George Weah's cousin straight in or anything like that. But you know, you I get them in and we can do that, get them in and have a wee look. Um get them a game as a trialist and things and I that you've just got to be creative, haven't you? You said like that this this kind of role has whetted your appetite a little bit with the coaching. Has it made you think now that one day, one time in the future, you might like to try it yourself as a manager now? Hey, I'm I'm more than happy doing what I'm doing now. Um, but but you never know. Um, I see the the amount of work that Richie puts in and and the stress that he's under um, and like for. You know, for, for guys listening to the podcast and things that, that, that maybe haven't been, Paul, you'll know yourself, that, that haven't been involved in football in a coaching capacity, hats off because the work that the work that these guys put in is absolutely incredible, honestly. And, you know, Rich, as I say, Richie's got a, a tough job with the NHS. He's got a family. He's got two kids and a wife and things. And honestly... For me, that now I'm, I'm more than happy to let Richie and help him whenever he kind of, whenever he needs me and stuff like that, and and step in, take a bit of weight off at training and stuff. But for the, uh, for the now, I'm, I'm more than happy doing what I'm doing. And and again, I, I've mentioned my boys a couple of times. I'm hoping that they are going to play. So, you know, I, I want to be somebody that's going to be able to go and and do things and play with them. So, 
you never know, but I, I'm more than happy doing what I'm doing now. My name's Tommy Sloan, Ocholet Talbot Manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Now here's Roach's Roundup with Kilburnie Laidside Assistant Boss, Des Roach. Well, to begin this week's Roundup, the West of Scotland Football League has received an application signed by 10 clubs seeking membership for the new season of 2021-2022. This would take the total number of clubs up to 77 for the league. The meeting will take place via Zoom on Monday the 1st of March. This meeting will also be used to elect a new management board to take over from the current interim management group that was led up by the Lowland League. Up in the Highland League, Craig Stewart, new boss at Devon Vale, he's been kept busy over the recent weeks by re-signing goalkeeper Gavin Still, defenders Kevin Adams and Courtney Cooper, as well as fellow defender Ben Allen. Ben's decided to stay on for another two years. They're joined by attacker Grant Noble and opting to pledge their future down at the Vale. Back in the West, Rob Roy, well they're hoping to be back playing in Kirk and Tullock next season, after recently ground sharing over in Guy's Meadow with Cumbernauld United. Eastern Bartonshire Council have just needed to approve the work to begin in a new Kirk and Tullock sports complex in early 21 at an estimated cost of 4.4 million, and the Kirk and Tullock Rob Roy committee have already agreed a 25 year lease. Down in the south, Annan Athletic, well they've appointed recently retired centre half Peter Watson. The club legend is now a football operations manager. The role that Peter will undertake for Annan will be looking after player requirements, their well-being and to develop the club going forward with regards to their facilities, players and fans' match day experiences. Peter will also work very, very closely with Cammy Bell, who is their new director of football since retiring. Well, back over to Gareth and Paul. Hope you're all well and safe and I'll see you again next week. Cheers. I'm David Gormley, manager of Rossville Football Club, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. And a legend, Chris Jardin, is our guest this week. Well, Chris, before we uh, before we start again, I think we can't go on any further without asking you about these guitars behind you. The the listeners won't be able to see this, but there's, there's two guitars up on the wall, uh, poster behind you as well. Uh, are, you a, are you a music man? I, I mean, the, the guitars are just for show, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do. No, I, I play a wee bit. Um, I, I play a wee bit. I'm a big, uh, big Oasis fan. That's the that's the canvas that lyrics for um, for Oasis song in the background that my wife actually she done that herself. Um, so I I, I, I kind of um, have a wee shot now and again. I've got an acoustic and electric guitar and. I've got another one up there, which is my wee boy. He's only three. He wanted to ask Santa for a guitar for his Christmas. So um, my wife's very artistic. So she's like, I'm going to put them on the wall and stuff like that. So no no great story. Just a big Oasis fan, particularly Liam Gallagher. I've got a picture of him up in the living room as well, but I've angled the camera so that you... My wife told me to angle the camera away from him. So there you go. <laughs> and is it true that you, you did say you were going to play us out at the end of the show? <clears throat> uh, the I'll, 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 listen, we'll, we'll see what happens. Let's. Let, oh, I'll tell you what. If I get, I'll tell you what. If I get this question right at the end, I'll play you a song. There you go. Still an album. You play the 
played uh, have you done many team nights out with the guitars you know you have uh I think Steve, Stephen Thompson was known for kind of getting the guitar out of team nights out and stuff. Were you like I, that back, back in the day? I, 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 um, I've, I've never personally taken mine, but we, there was one uh, one trip with Anna and we went to... Um, who did we play? It was uh, way, way up north, some journey that we went on. Um, it was when the, the East of Scotland played the Highland League winners way back. Um, they, they had a competition. It was just a one-off game, um, and uh, one of my former teammates, Jimmy Haney, he took his guitar, and I remember stopping in Octarardar on the way back down and stuff. And uh, Jimmy had the guitar. Out. I remember just—I think we sang American Pie just about the whole way down the road because that was about the only song in you, I think. Um, so, aye, aye. There's there's other players that have done it, and it's it's good. It's good. It's good in the long journeys. And and how did that kind of fascination start? Then did was it? something that you just liked as a, as a kid you know it's just it was it's, I think it was my mum at Christmas to be honest like I've always liked music and stuff and always kind of wanted to play the guitar and my mum's uh, stood up and I'm 42 may I add and she still spoils me to this day at Christmas so she just always wants to get me a big present at Christmas she's like what about a guitar what about guitar I think I just eventually went aye on you go mum so I got an acoustic one year then an electric the next that was years ago, Tay, and I still can't play them properly. <laughs> you started out as a player at Rangers and at 16. How, how, how did you kind of get spotted there? Uh, there was a scout I played with. Um, in fact, I wasn't at Maxwell Thistle, so this is just the youth teams in Dumfries. Gareth, um, I think I was playing with Greyston Rovers at the time. Uh, <clears throat> or a big, um, what, like a big, a big uh, youth youth club down here. And uh, Rangers had a scout called Billy Cross, who um, obviously told Rangers about me and I got invited up for a trial um, with Barry Nicholson, uh, who I'm still very good friends with today. Um, so went up where there was four or five of us going up at the time. And trial went well, initially signed an S form at 14 um, and then went full time at 16 when I left school after fifth year. and. Stayed there full time for a couple of years. You you went in there. I mean, you you don't make any secret of the fact of where your allegiances lie. So was that a was that a kind of a dream, a dream thing for you? Uh, oh, aye, absolutely for me. Aye, um, I was at, I had been at I'd been at a couple of clubs and um, I was at Kilmarnock. Kilmarnock was a club that that I was at when I was younger. Um, and I absolutely loved Kilmarnock by the way, it was, it was a really, really good club to be at, they were great with the young players, Jim Fleeton was there at the time, he was great with me, um, and not that I ever, I, I, you know, I, I got offered to sign anything there, but back then, I don't know I don't know how it works, Just I don't know how it works now, but when I went to Rangers, obviously, dream come true, that's, that's my club, it's my family's club, so uh, dream come true, but when you go to Rangers, as Rangers or nobody else, you know, that was the case back then. It was if you want to be here, you're not going anywhere else. So I was I was uh, more than happy to do that. And uh, things worked out, as I say, in the beginning, uh, things worked out great. And um, I look back often and go, well, should I maybe have went elsewhere? Um, should I stuck in at Kilmarnock and maybe, maybe might have got a chance there and progressed that way but 
I still don't think I would swap it. I, I, you can't take that away from me. Even though Paul will say I never played with Rangers, I was there, I was there for a couple of years. <laughs> no, no, seriously, I would. I, 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 I still like to, you know, tell the stories and stuff about when I was there. So it, it's, uh, it, it was, it was a very, very special time. Something that I, I wouldn't like to swap. Absolutely. And was that would that have been sort of pre? Your ages were maybe that sort of pre Murray Park. So we used training. Would you be training Every, in the Albion and stuff Everywhere like that? and anywhere, Paul. Aye, Annie's Land College. Yeah. Um, there was a there was a cricket ground. West of Scotland. Uh, West of Scotland cricket uh, ground. Yeah. Ah, do, do you know the thing about that now is, and it's amazing to think that, like, we used to get to go into Ibrox every single day. That's where I went. That's where I went to work. We used to get to walk through. The front door at I well, it wasn't the front door. They used to have a wee door at the side into a wee reception, so it wasn't quite the front door. But you know, used to walk into iBooks every day. You know, um, so I it was just it was incredible. And then you had your breakfast or whatever, done a wee session in the gym, and then hopped on a bus. And right, where are we <laughs> where are we going to end up the day? Um, Hodum Hodum is it Hodum Hodum Castle Golf? Hags Castle Golf Club. Hags, Hags. Hags Castle. Hodum, 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 that's just the road to me. Um, Hags Castle, aye, that's that um, pre-season there, I remember that. Um, and back, aye, and back then, was it shut and tie to go into Ibrox every day? Shut and tie, shut and tie. That was everybody. Everybody shut and tie every single day. Yeah, Hop, hopping in the subway, in the subway, walking into Ibrox, shut and tie, and then, um, aye. Brilliant, brilliant times. Could, could you see that uh, Barry Ferguson had something extra? Yeah. Head and shoulders, head and shoulders above him, above everybody, sorry. Um, he was just, he was comfortable in his surroundings, you know, because his brother had obviously played and he, he knew. I always remember um, when we were signed on S form, it's amazing. You used to you used to get invited to all the cup finals. Obviously, Rangers were winning trophies for for fun back then. And um, as an S form, you got invited to all the cup finals. So I kid you not, it was you would go into Ibrox before that, get bust to the final, bust back, and then all the players would come back. So you got to you know got to join in all of that stuff. And you know you're looking at Barry Ferguson, and Barry Ferguson's high fiving all the first team players when they're coming through. And you know because he knew them because his brother Durant and McCoyst and and things. So I think Barry was very comfortable in his surroundings, but he just had so much confidence in himself and um, just a great player, really, really great player. I just I remember being devastated when he left for for Blackburn when he left when he left the club the first time because he's just he was for a period there he was just unbelievable for Rangers. So he was. So what other players was in that team then that kind of went on and and, and made it? So, so Barry was Barry was a year above. So he, so I had two years full time apprentice. So, so when he was in, when I was in my first year, he would have been second year. Um, so players that went on and kind of played. Obviously Barry Nicholson, I've already I've already mentioned Barry. Um, he's went on had a good career. Barry Robson actually, um, he lived in Diggs with Barry. There was me, Barry Nicholson, Barry Robson, um, and we mucker Darren Fitzgerald for for Belfast. We stayed with um, Davy Moyes' mum and dad. 
and there's right. dead. Aye. Um, so, so, aye, there would have, so there would have been Barry that went on, Barry Robson went on, and you had the likes of like Scotty Wilson who went on and played with Dunfermline, big Scotty. Uh, Greg Shields done well, didn't he? He went to Dunfermline as well. Stephen Boyack, he was a, was he a professional, he was maybe first year pro. Um, Boyack went on and played, played hearts and things like that. Um, and the likes are, <clears throat> excuse me, the likes are, likes Alan McGregor, Bob Malcolm, um, they were all, they were a bit younger, but they used to come in at the holidays and stuff like that. So, um, so they, they were in there about the club at that time as well. Did you ever see Davy Moyes? Did Davy Moyes ever come back to see mum and dad when you were there? Once, <clears throat> once he was there. I think Davy must have been at Preston at the time. Uh-huh. Or is that maybe too? <clears throat> excuse me. I he was at the house once. It was more Kenny. Kenny. Kenny oh. would have been was was there more than. Same your as, as his agent. <laughs> I, it, it, Barry actually went on to work with Kenny. Barry Nicholson. But, um, Kenny was Barry's uh, Barry's agent. Um, I think he was maybe starting, just starting out back then. Never spoke to me about it anyway. Must have known. <laughs> Must have known that I wasn't going anywhere. Um, but no, they were, honestly, they were, they were a great family. Absolutely brilliant. Loved it. And the horrible side to the game, I suppose, the day you're told that it's not going to happen at Rangers, how did that come about? Who kind of pulled you in and, and, and spoke to you? And was there any kind of options for you straight after it? I, th- I think I kind of knew, I kind of knew, Paul. I had a good, I had a good second season. Um, did did pretty well, <clears throat> but struggled struggled with injuries. I, w- I was playing, but I wasn't training an awful lot. Um, and I can I thought it might have been close, but I, I was I was never confident. And you kind of, I kind of knew, because the boys that were getting kept on were in with Archie and Walter and um, John McGregor and Bomber. But I only got McGregor and Bomber, so it wasn't a, um, it wasn't it wasn't a good a good a good start. I kind of knew, but um, do you know the hard the hardest part about it was we ha- still had the BP Youth Cup final to play. Not only that, we lost that we lost three two to Celtic in my last game, um, the BP Youth, Youth Cup final. So I've been released. Been beat off Celtic in the BP Youth Cup final, my last game, and then they made me come in the next day to clean the stadium. So that's a wee, that's a wee kick down below for you, and that's uh, that's that's what happened. But I still done it because you know I was like, I'm going to go. It's my last day. I'm going to go in and see the boys and and say cheerio. So I, I, I was devastated, obviously, but I think at that time I was still pretty confident that I would go on and and, and maybe play at a decent level. Um, but I don't think it hit me till a wee bit later um, what, I'd, what I'd lost um, and I kind of I, I didn't mean I went I, I don't know if depression was I don't know if I if I kind of if I was depressed or whatever but I, I was doing in the dumps for a long long time long long time I went to Morton no long after um, things didn't work out there started off really well Alan McGraw was the manager at the time um, he left. There was a takeover of the club, and Billy Stapp came in. <clears throat> and I remember playing a game um, at Capello, and didn't play well at all. Didn't play well. And uh, Billy Stapp said, "Right, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a phone." 
I, I wasn't I wasn't expecting still that. Still waiting on it. <laughs> I am still waiting. Um, and then after that, I didn't do anything. Didn't do anything for maybe six months. Um, and that's the kind of time where I think I was down in the dumps and feeling a bit sorry for myself, to be honest. And how, I mean, how did you get over that, if you like, then? Do you know what? Um, I kind of, you'll, you'll probably have heard of Stan Leslie that was at Annan. Um, uh, he's a club legend, like just such a big personality. Um, passed away, passed away a good, a few years ago now. Um, and I remember, I remember bumping into him on a night out and he just said to me, what are you doing with yourself? I said, nothing. He went, right, I'm taking you down to Annan. Get yourself down to Annan. On, it was either a Monday or a Tuesday they trained. Get yourself down there and we'll get you sorted out. That's what i done. I went down to Annan, went and trained. Um, took me a while to get up to speed and then I was there for, what did you say, 17 years at the start of the programme, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. What league would Anna have been in then? At that time, Paul, they had two, so they were in both the East and the South at the time. Right. Um, And what was was kind of perceived as their first team? Is it East of of Scotland? East of Scotland. Aye, so I went in and um, obviously I hadn't been training or anything, I hadn't done anything myself, so played, dipped into the south and dipped in and out of the east and stuff like that and I, I remember there being one point and I, I spoke to the manager who was Kevin Hetherington, used to play with Queen of the South he was he was the manager at the time and I, I said to him, I said, listen Kevin you need to pull me out, pull me out of the teams just let me train, let me train for, for a wee while, get my fitness up and then I'll maybe, I'll maybe be able to do a job for you So and then I finished that season in the, in the, in the first team in the east of Scotland and uh, Things kind of took off from there. So how old did you have been making that decision? Asking the manager, maybe would you have been twenty at that um, So I, I left. If you left, left Rangers, you nineteen. Yeah. I left Rangers when I was eighteen, so I would have turned ninety. I would have been nineteen. It's a big, it's a big decision for a nineteen-year-old to say that to a manager, isn't uh, it? When you're trying to I, make your way. I suppose I. I never really thought about it, Paul, but. I just kind of felt I wasn't I wasn't doing myself any justice, and I wasn't really I wasn't helping the team, you know. So I felt as if I could try and get myself to a kind of a level of fitness that I'd, I'd um, help the team basically do myself justice and, and help the team, which is hopefully what I did, kind of for a, at least a few, a couple of these seventeen years anyway. And that be short period of time. Did you ever fall out of love with it, or just think I'm chucking it, I'm not going back? No, no. I just, th- I just think I generally felt sorry for myself. I don't. I, I touched on it earlier that, and, and I don't like saying it, but I just don't think I, I don't think I appreciated what I had at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I spoke there about walking into Ibrox every morning. You know, being a professional footballer is your, is your job. It's, you know, I, as I say, I, I would change certain things, but I would still never, I would still never take that time away because I would. I can, as I say, I can always say that I was I was there. And do you think as well, for, for your own point of view, Glasgow Rangers to Annan, and we're not talking about Annan and the SPFL, we're talking Annan mm-hmm. East of Scotland, South of Scotland, it's a, a, a huge a huge drop, isn't it? That must have, I know, maybe, maybe the wee uh, unsuccessful, unsuccessful spell at Morton, but mm-hmm. at any point did you think, well, Queens are on my doorstep or, or anything, like that? I could go over there and, and try and try my work there or was it just I think 
I think it was just a case of a bit of familiarity, to be honest. You know, I had friends there. It was local. I wasn't travelling away too far to train. Um, so I think I just got myself in amongst good people and just started enjoying it. I think that was the main thing, you know, for, for being down in the dumps and stuff and, um, you know, leaving Rangers. I think it, it was just important to... Um, just to get back and join it, get back fit, get back enjoying football, um, and and that that's what I did. You know, I, I can't speak highly enough of Annan. I just can't speak highly enough of them and like players, staff, everything. It was just, um, I I think I think that's what it was. About. Just enjoy it and then see what happens. See what happens after that. And I'm sure along the way, to be at one club for 17 years, there must have been a few offers along. You know within that 17 years for you to, to move on because obviously you played a lot of games for, for Annan. Basically, basically, would you have joined Celtic? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Next question. There's levels and there's levels, isn't there? <laughs> um, I, I had um, locally, so, so and, and I'm, I'm not talking offers, it was like um, there was always people trying to get me to Queens, but it, it always seemed as if um, as if I had to go and like contact somebody else. Like it was never the manager of Queens or you know the assistant. Or it was always people that were in and around the club saying, "What about coming to Queens?" And I'm like, "Of course I would come to Queens." There was talk about Stranraer. Um, I had the chance to go down to Exeter at, at a time. I remember that, and I remember, I don't think I've ever fallen out with my mum, but my mum, eh, my auntie lives down down south, and my mum was like, oh, my, your auntie Liz has been saying about, I don't know how this thing came about, honestly. I had the chance to go down to Exeter, and I was just like, absolutely no chance, I'm not going there. <clears throat> but the one, the one, the closest I came, I say closest, but um, was to Arbroath with Harry Kearney, when Harry left Anne and went to Arbroath. That was the closest I came, because they put a bid in for me, which was not back. Um, and I don't know how I would have done that, because I couldn't drive at the time either. So how <laughs> I was going to get to a road and train and play, I'll never know. But that was probably the one that, that was the closest to kind of to happening. When you look back at those 17 years now, Chris, yeah, there, there was so much progress on and off the park, really, wasn't there? At the yeah. club, you know, you progressed. You were the captain who led them into the leagues. Lots of highs for you, and and I know you've talked about maybe them being the right club at the right time for you at that time. But you know they didn't just rest on their laurels, did they? They just continued to build year on year. It seemed. Yeah, I absolutely. We, we, you, you talk about highs and lows, but the, the the most the most enjoyable time is when we were in the east of Scotland. No, it was great playing. It was great playing in the, you know, in the in the senior game and stuff like that. And in, in terms of enjoyment, the Easter Scotland days were were just amazing. It was just uh, the squad of boys that we had. Um, we'd done everything together. You know, we we genuinely just it was everybody went to the pub after the game. I mentioned Stan Leslie earlier. His family had a had a bar, Dickie's Dickie's um, pub in the town, and we we went there. After every game, we've just done everything together, and it's just the, the happiest times I, I, that I've ever had in football. Um, 
on the part we were successful as well. We 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 eventually won. That was I don't know. I, I should maybe I looked this up before I mentioned it, but the club went a long time with it before they won the Easter Scotland, um, and we won it. Maybe my second or third year there. Um, went on to win it again. Eventually won the the qualifying cup, which was a massive trophy back in the day. Um, won the qualifying cup. That was amazing. I was suspended for the final, so I didn't play, but still one of the greatest memories. Um, and in terms of in terms of when we got into the league, you know, we had some great victories, none more so than than when we beat Rangers at Ibrox, um, which I would probably describe as my best and worst day in football, <laughs> to be honest. Um, for obvious reasons. I mean, it was just, I always say to people that it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, like a smash and grab. We were had backs to the wall. We we genuinely deserved to win that game and it was it was amazing to take part in. But funnily, funnily enough, I actually enjoyed the game at Ibrox that we lost 3-0 more um, because it was under the lights and there was, I think there was 44,000 at that game. There was 30 odd at the game we won 2-1, but the the one under the lights was a was a special night as well. I remember we got we broke down on the motorway and everything that night. We were only there. I remember I remember Alan McCoy and Ian Durant standing waiting on us in the tunnel and telling us they didn't think we were going to turn up and things like that. And um, but I enjoyed that that experience more. It seems a bit funny to say, um, but as I say, the two one game one I think one of the best and worst. Because um, I just I genuinely couldn't believe Rangers at that time. It was it wasn't nice. I, I I covered that game and I remember thinking the same the same thing. And I remember going to, to do uh, an interview with the manager Jim Chapman the next day, and it was all it was all surreal, but so deserved as well, wasn't it? You know the the the, the performance you put in. Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. It, it's uh, it was thoroughly deserved. You know we weren't. We weren't, it wasn't backs against the wall. We were holding out. We should probably have been more in front, to be honest, than uh, than two 0 <clears throat> But it, like there was a few big Rangers fans and and our team, and I, I always think about that game and and find it find it strange how people, you know, these um, muted celebrations of footballers, how they can celebrate scoring goals, or it baffles me because I was going absolutely mental that day, um, and I still get stuck for my mates because of it. Believe it or not, this is a true story. My uncle, uh, my uncle and my cousin are season ticket holders. They were at the game that day and they walked to it at half time. <laughs> they walked to it at half time. No, because I don't think we were winning at the time. I think it was maybe nil nil at the time at half time, but they actually walked to it. I was playing with Annan. They were there to watch me and they left the game at half time because Rangers <laughs> were that bad. Honestly. Did, uh, did Ali McCoyce remember you from the days when you were be putting his kit out for him before training? McCoyce didn't, but Durant did. Is that right? Aye, Durant did, yeah. Because he, um, he asked me if I had enough tickets and stuff like that. So, um, aye, Durant remembered me, which was nice. Because I was going to ask you about that when we were talking about Rangers. I mean, even just having the experience of being the first team kit boy. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the access that gave you to your goffs and your gazers, uh-huh. your loudrups and... You know, Unbelievable. How were they with you back back then? You know, when you were the the kind of the the wee guy in the with the kit. That was that was that was just amazing to to think of. Um, you, you're right. That's that was my job in my second year. Um, so I was a kit man. So I had to put their um 
put their kit out every morning, afternoon, and things like that. So it was quite stressful. Um, you know, players of of kind of different thoughts or you know different superstitions or whatever. Like Richard Goff always wanted his um, his own kit, so that it was they're all everything's initialed nowadays, isn't it for for the pros? But it was numbered at the time. I think I think Richard Goff was five. Was he four or five? Anyway, he always you had to make sure. He was he got his number and everything, shorts, t-shirt, jumper, waterproof, whatever. Um, whereas the other some of the other guys just didn't matter. You know, just give me as long as I've got something, I'm happy. Um but it was just a like just a, the characters in there were just incredible. You know, and McCoy Durant. Um I got on really well with Derek McInnes, Charlie Miller. Um were really good. Used to get Charlie Miller's hand me down, so I did. He used to come and sort me out with clobber. Um so I and obviously Loudrop and Loudrop and Gaza were there. Um two to the best players that have that have been there. And would so uh, Jimmy Jimmy Bell have been the kit man then? Would he Jimmy Bell, yeah. Would he have uh, he would have been quite hard on the young boys, I'm sure. Jimmy uh, Jimmy Bell I actually read something about Jimmy Bell the day saying how like what a guy and what like what a job he's done, his commitment to Rangers is unbelievable, but he's a grumpy man. And uh, that's probably the best guy. Ah, he was he was he was a bit grumpy, but such a great guy, such a good. Just loves the club, doesn't he? Um, and Jimmy, I was going to mention there that Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Bell remembered me as well when he gave me a he gave me a strip after it as well. So that was nice. Are you uh, are you still a member of the Dumfries True Blue Supporters Club? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, <laughs> You, is it right that you used to kind of you, you play a game with sometimes on a Saturday, come back down the road and then jump on the bus and go back up to Ibrox on the, the Sunday? Yeah, uh, yeah uh, so I was, which was crazy, you know, it was crazy when you think about it because, um, but I, I suppose I was just quite quite a homeboy and wanted to get down the road. Um, plus as well, it actually meant that I didn't, I didn't need to part with some of my dig money as well because I got the dig money back if I didn't stay at the digs for a night, so that stayed in my bank account. Um, so it's maybe something to do with that as well. But I used that. I've done that regular, go down the road and then jump on the bus the next day, uh, come up and watch the game and um, back down Saturday and then back up Sunday. It's crazy when you think of it, isn't it? And, and these tickets for the UEFA Cup final that I mentioned in the intro, the story goes, as I said, you said to Henry McClellan, the chairman, if you get me a ticket for the 2008 UEFA Cup final, Rangers against Zenit St Petersburg, I'll sign with a club for life. Is is that how it is that how it played out? Pretty much. Um, I can't even remember what night the the cup final was, but I had went down to the club, and I don't know why. I don't know why I went down. I went down one night, and the chairman was there. And I'd actually just been thinking about going down to Manchester just just for the atmosphere, as obviously thousands of people did anyway. And I, I said to the chair, it was totally, completely by accident, I said to the chairman, I said, are you going down? He said, I said, have you got room in your car so that I can come down? He says, and I'll just watch the game and the screens and Monko and all that are going down, I'll meet up with them. And he went, well, do you know what to go to the game? I said, what do you mean? He says, I've got a ticket if you want it. And obviously I was like, are you, are you, aye, okay, I no bother. He says, I've honestly, I've got a ticket for you if you want it. And I said, I said, if you get me a ticket for that, I'll I'll sign for life. I'll sign for life. So that, that's a true story. I, d- I did well signing. I never got any money 
signing on fees with Wianna, never. But I got a ticket for the UEFA Cup final. And Sandy Ross, when he was manager, got me tickets for an Oasis gig as well. So they were the two signing on fees I got. Two tickets for Oasis and a ticket for the UEFA Cup final. There you go. Two stories. I, I guess that would have been a kind of, I'll believe it when I see it, almost until you got the ticket in your hand, you know, you weren't quite convinced. Aye. Yeah. I, the Oasis one, I was probably more nervous about the Oasis one, to be honest. Um, because it was Sandy. Sandy was a character. Um, but aye. I, 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 knew the, I knew the chairman was good for that. I knew... I knew he wasn't kidding me on when he when he told me, but it's just funny how how that worked out because I don't know we weren't training. I don't know why I was at the club that night. I don't know why I'd went down, and I did bumped into him and there you go. And was it worth signing for Annan for life to see to see the game, even though the result didn't go Rangers' way? Do you know what? It's one of the worst games I think I've ever been to. It was such a disappointment. Um, you know, Rangers had had been an, quite an exciting journey to it. Well. I say exciting, a lot of the games went to penalties and stuff like that, but the game was just, I thought Rangers would, although they were cagey through the whole tournament, I thought maybe um, they'd have got a wee bit of, right, on you go, you might not get this chance again, just get off the leash and go and play, but oh dear me, never liked winning, never liked, I got my photo take with Frank Lampard, so that wasn't too bad. (laughs) Did you bump into him somewhere? Uh, him Him and his dad were just sitting a couple of rows behind us. Um, so I got a picture with Frank Lampard so that was the best thing about the game (laughs) Going back to Annan when you were there I always remember you used to write the blogs the blogs for the BBC Scotland website and was that something that you quite enjoyed and and it was kind of it did give a little bit of a I guess an education to some people who who wouldn't see that side of the game you know as much And, and was that something that you again maybe you thought about doing more of it's something I'd like to do more of, Gareth, to be honest. Um, really, I really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed that. And again, that, that was the chairman, I think. I think the um, the BBC had got in touch and just kind of said, look, this is what we're thinking. You're just in the league. Um, have you got anybody that, that you would recommend? And I was captain at the time, so the chairman just put them on to me. Um, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it was, it was primarily just build up to games and talking about the games just passed and what was happening the next week, unless something had maybe happened like that, that was quite a big story in the new and, and football in Scotland and stuff. Um, so no, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, and it, it went, it went pretty well. You know, there was, there was the two, two many, it wasn't a load of comments, but there was the two many negative comments. I remember one article I'd done when I spoke about Thierry Henry's handball against Republic Ireland in the playoffs. I got a bit of stick for that one. Um, so, but apart from that, it was, all, it was all pretty plain sailing and I thoroughly enjoyed that. And uh, I always say to my wife, Kirsten, that it's, it's something that I, would, I wouldn't I would mind getting involved in, just doing something like that again or media work or whatever. You, you left Annan in 2014, I think it was. Uh, That'd have been right, yeah. Playoffs? Uh Oh. Yes, playoffs. Stirling Albion was it? Was it Stirling Albion? I think it was. And you we reached the playoffs anyway, yeah. And uh, how how tough was it to make that call? That you know, or how did that all come about? Was it your call? 
it was my, I absolutely my call. Um, Jim Chapman was the manager. Do you know why I retired? I retired because um, my wife, uh, well, she wasn't my wife at the time, but uh, we were pregnant with our first child. So um, I, I, I was just like spoke to my wife and and was just saying I don't I don't want to be away. Don't want to be away at Elgin at six in the morning. No come back to midnight. Um, away twice a week training. Um, so I I just you know I. I I felt as if I could, I might have been a bit part player, you know, I might not have been starting as many games. Um, but but Jim was, Jim Chapman and Wee Joyce, who's a great guy as well, they they were keen to keep me and keen to, keen to for me to, you know, if I didn't, if I wasn't going to play, you know, help us come and coach, you know, come and, come and join the coaching side, um, which I, I totally appreciated and stuff and would have loved to have done. But I just kind of felt, it felt the right time and I, I just kind of wanted to be at home more, to be honest. I was quite happy and comfortable with the decision that I made. Jim Chapman's obviously a, a friend of the show. We've had him on. Tell us about some of his team talks. He's an intense guy, isn't he? When it comes to football very, very, tactics. Aye, aye, he's, he's very intense. He likes a wee, he likes a wee slam of the tactics board and stuff like that. Him, him and Joycey were great together, Paul. I think they, they just... They kind of played off each other. It was never a, it wasn't a good, a good cop, bad cop type thing because they could both be good and bad. The two of them, they would just, you know, they would just sense what mood the other one was in, and then the other one would fall into that other role, whether whether it was good or bad. So, um, I, I, I actually was a bit scared of Jim when he came in. I, I kind of thought that he might have been worse than he was, but. Me and him got on right away. You know, he, he was great with me because he know he knew I was at the club a long, long time. And uh, I think as a as a manager, Paul, you'll maybe tell me I'm wrong, but you kind of you try and suss out your players and kind of see who you can rely on. And I think Jim seen me as as somebody that that he could rely on and maybe be that link with with the other players and and, and stuff like that. So me and Jim hit it off like like really quickly and Joyce. Um, but I, it could be, it could be, it could be angry. Can he say vulnerable properly? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Have you no. ever noticed that? I'm, I'm telling you, get him to say vulnerable the next time you see him or speak to him. <laughs> he's he's um, probably he's, uh, he, he's come to my office before and we've sat and spoke to actors and when he was at Model Community, I went and spoke to him and we just speak football, football, everything's just tactics and, and all that. And uh, I could almost I could listen to the guy for hours, but he always talks about formations. There's no such thing as formations. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's, it's like it, honestly, his stuff's brilliant. But you know what? I take my hat off to him because before I was, I was managing at New Mains, had an amateur team, and he come up and took a session and that, and he was absolute first class. And I think the boys really appreciated him coming up. A really really good man. Ah yes, he's a great he's a he's a great guy. Um, I I really enjoyed. As I say, I was a bit. I was a bit kind of scared's probably the wrong word, but a bit apprehensive about him coming in, you know. Um, I think he maybe had a bit of a reputation as a bit of a, a bit of a hard taskmaster and things like that. But he was great. He, he knew when to do it. I think he, you know, he could sense when was the right time to have a go. And um, and as I say, Joycey and him worked great together. I thought they were. I really had a lot of time for both of them. So you left Annan. And I guess mm-hmm. from what you were, the way you were speaking there, 
maybe on the way you maybe thought that was you done with playing, but then Locker Thistle came on the radar and how much how much persuading did you need to go back? Not very much. Um again, uh a guy I know when I, one of my mates, um Nicky White was the manager. In fact, before that I'd played a game, one of my other mates, Craig Allen, was the manager at the time. And he just kind of asked me to help out, you know, listen, we're struggling today, can you come in? And I played a couple of games at Trialist. And then I did the same for Big Nicky White. And um, he just said, look, if you if you want to, if you want to play again, just give me first dibs, you know, let me know. Um, and I did that. I kind of just, again, spoke to my wife. And um, Baxter must have been, would she have been two at the time, I think? maybe two or three and I thought right you know a bit of pressure off you know it's no it's no as a hundred mile an hour he's, he's getting a wee bit bigger so you don't need to sit and watch him 24 hours a day um I, and I just kind of said I fancy doing something at that point I wasn't sure if I wanted to play or if I wanted to coach um so ideally big Nicky had said to me he says listen you can come in you can do a bit of both he says come in we'll see what happens but if you want to play I want you to play so if you want to play and you're happy with that, then that's what we'll do. Um, and I had that once kind of word got out that I was going to play. There was a couple of clubs that kind of contacted me and and tried to get me to go and play. Um, but I'd, I'd said to Nicky, you know, I gave him my word um, that I would go and, and I did. And I was thoroughly enjoying it. Got a wee bit of a link with Locker, like my dad. Um, my dad played with Locker way, way back in the day. So did my uncle, played with Locker. Um, so there's a wee bit of a pull there as well. Um, Nicky got a, a really good squad, and so that was, that was a pretty easy decision. I just had a wee kind of inkling to do something, and uh, thankfully Nicky um, took me in, and I enjoyed it for that short spell. Well, I was going to mention that. I mean, I was going to ask with how it ended. I think you broke your leg or your ankle, and and w- as much as you glad you went back is there an element of you that regretted going back as well obviously you couldn't have seen the season was going to come but I, I think um I, I wouldn't say I regret it the only thing that um the only thing was that <laughs> we just had our second child at that second wee boy at that time and I was t- he was two weeks old when I broke my ankle so that was just a bit of a disaster um but no I don't know I don't regret it don't regret it because the a few months I, I managed to get myself really fit again and, and was playing every week um, and we were we were doing really well as well you know we were we were top of the league and things and then just things started to go wrong and it ended up I stayed to the end of the season as I you know kept going and, and watching when I could and, and helping out coaching wise um, and I would have stayed on as well if my job did they change I changed jobs because I was a football coordinator at that time so I was just working Monday to Friday excuse me um but I changed jobs on the shift so um like I mentioned earlier about commitment I, I couldn't go every single week so I just felt as if I, I couldn't give it everything that I wanted to uh, otherwise I would have stayed and helped Nicky um and a coaching on a coaching side tell us about Russell at Locker Russell's been on on uh, he actually obviously put us in touch and uh, Alan Jenkins as well. Uh, 
is he a big part down there? I think he actually said he did he play with you right back right when you were young, young, young. Played I played with Russell at Greyston Rovers. I'm sure we played at Greyston together. Um and in the school team as well. Uh, Russell was a Russell was a good Russell was a decent player. He was a left back, slowest player I've ever seen in my life. And he'll tell you that. <laughs> he'll tell you that. Um he was so slow, it was unreal. Um, but I, I spent quite a bit of time. We used to go to the the air tournament, um, uh, and I used to stay and uh, stay in a caravan with Russell and his family when we were up there. I stayed some, they were great times as well. Um, stayed in a caravan with Russell and his family. Um, so I mean, Russell go way back, and he's uh, he's pretty much Mister uh, Locker Thistle now. He's you he never I, I told you that he just stays in the corner. Um, never see him without any locker gear on. He's always got something on, whether it's a, whether it's a hat or a jacket or a jumper. He's he's always got something locker thistle on, on his person. So, but uh, nah, he's a good guy, Russell, and we go we go back quite a long way. That's uh, that's Russell Kasky. We should give him the give him his full name, shouldn't we? Um, Russell Kasky, yeah. Uh, just just last one uh, in this section. Uh, I just wondered if your quiz questions have got much better during lockdown because I was hearing hearing uh, talk that they've been pretty atrocious. Is that right? Aye. Is that right? That's just because I win the quiz every week, isn't it? That's that's what that is. So you know, so, you know, we've we've been doing it since lockdown, so we're starting to struggle now. I we have a <laughs> we have a quiz. With, where did you get that from? Who told you about that? <laughs> no, I was, that I, was looking, I was looking on your Twitter and I can't Twitter, remember, I can't remember which uh, it was one of your posts and below that somebody said. Let's hope your quiz questions improve because they've been atrocious during lockdown. Nah, that would have been uh, that'd have been my mate Daz. I was going to try and get him a mention in there, so my mate Daz Logue. So I, I obviously mentioned Barry Nicholson. So there's there's me, Barry, and Daz that we've been pals since we um, since we played youth football together. So we have a a quiz. No, every Sunday, but we try and do it every Sunday, and it's a Rangers quiz every Sunday. So we do ten questions each, a um, few beers and stuff together. And uh, I we've kept that going all through lockdown. But I, I I always get I always get told that I've got the hardest questions. Mine's are the worst because they can never get them right. So I get I get a bit of sticks. I'm Adam Hopes, co-manager of Drumchapel United, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Which brings us to Inside the Mind. Each week we'll put our guests on the spot to look deep into their psyche and discover some hidden stories. Right, Chris, who was your idol as a boy? The first player I, I ever remember like taking an interest in was Maradona. Now, he's not my idol, but I, I'm just thinking about when I, I first really remember that I, I was taking an interest in it and I was really enjoying watching it on the telly and it was the World Cup in 86. Um, so that's when I first started watching watching football and then I think I went to my first Rangers game in 1986 as well. My uncle Doug took me. Um, and ever since then, I loved Ian Durant. Um, so I think he's always been, as a midfielder myself, I think I always, he's a different player, different type of player than I was because I was, I didn't do as much running as Ian Durant. He got forward and scored goals and stuff like that. But um, I, I loved him as a player. And, wasn't he disappointed when I met him? You know, we, we spoke about him earlier on. He's just a fantastic, fantastic guy as well. 
um, and he was brilliant with the young with the younger players, the apprentices at Ibrox. Um, I, I can't speak highly enough of him, and just absolutely loved him as a player. Um, he obviously got that bad injury, and um, as much as it was a, I wish that hadn't happened to him. I don't think he would have still been at Rangers if if that injury hadn't happened. I, I think I've listened to Graham Souness talk over and over again about him. I think he was the best midfielder at at his age that he'd ever seen um, and it was a right shame that that injury happened to him because he could have went to the very very top so I think injured Ant definitely Good answer um, Who's the toughest opponent you faced? <clears throat> toughest opponent I, I, I don't think I can pick one specific opponent but when I think about when I think about tough I'm, I can't, I'm kind of thinking more about tough matches and I'm thinking of my, my Annan days in the east of Scotland when we used to have some really tough games against Whitehill Welfare and Spartans they were two great sides back at that time um, and it was just always a hard game and I remember I remember there's a guy Willie Bennett that played with um, Whitehill big really big big central midfielder who got forward and scored goals. Um, Dougie Samuels, who's, who's the Spartans manager, um, a lot of time for Dougie. He was like, got on really well with Dougie Samuels and we had a bit, of, a bit of chat during the games and stuff like that and got on at each other. But he was a great wee player for, for Whitehill and then I think he went on to Spartans as well. Um, and Ian Thompson, Ian Thompson played with, with Spartans. He went on to play with Stenhouse Muir. Berwick maybe, was that Berwick as Berwick. well? Berwick, Berwick he, played he, played. he played in the Spartan Scottish Cup run, didn't he? He was involved yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah. I, um, Tomo was a, he was a good player as well. Um, and we used to have some some good ding dongs in the in the middle of the park and um, got at each other as well. So they're, they're kind of three, but it's more predominantly the the tough games. You know, there's no as a midfielder, I kind of you obviously maybe start up against somebody, but you. You kind of move about, and you're not always against the same person, so it's hard to pick one specifically. But th- those three kind of stick in my mind as, as really what were really good midfields for Spartans and Whitehill back in the day. What's the favourite football top you've worn, and why? Um, that's pretty easy. I think the the first the first strip we wore when Aaron got in the league. Um, was an away, it was a blue and white away top. Um, a captain decided in the first the first game when after we got into the, the third division, which it was back then. Um, we we played Clyde in was it the Challenge Cup? It would have been called the the, the Challenge Cup back yeah back then. So I it was a it was a nice it was a long sleeved one as well. I used to like a long sleeved top, so it was a blue and white one. I think that's 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 quite sentimental that one as well because it was as I say. First game and it wasn't in the league, but first game when first game since we got uh, put into the um, into the third division was our first competitive games against Clyde. So uh, I liked that one. I. Who's the best player you've played with? That might be an easy one. Right. See, I, I, you, you're obviously thinking of Barry Ferguson because that's who who I've been speaking to. And I think I think. I'm looking at it from a point of view as the best player I've ever played in the park with is Gaza. I played 45 minutes of a reserve game with Gaza once. Did you? Yes. 
yeah, so he's without doubt the best player I've ever been on the pitch as. Uh, never forget that game. I played left back. I don't know why. Um, we drew three all. We didn't fair one. Gaza scored two. Missed a penalty. And then apologised for losing the boys their bonus in the changing room after the game. I was at Bathgate. Um, I don't think he knew that it was only a 10 or a win bonus. So he maybe wouldn't apologised if he knew that. But that's, that's a true story as well. So, um, But I, I think, I think in, t- so in terms of... In terms of ability-wise, who unfortunately I probably can't say that Gaza was a teammate because I would have liked to have, but so as, as a teammate and Barry Ferguson undoubtedly that, that I've played on in the same team as for for a couple of years um, is by far and away the the, the best player, uh, most talented player that that I've played with. Um, I need to give Barry Nicholson a mention as well because I spent a lot of time, you know, I'm thinking now a youth player. So back in, when we played in the youth team together, he's the best player that's came through that I've played with. Um, and also I think about my time at Annan, just good midfielders and players that you enjoy playing with were probably central midfielders were Daryl Elliott and, and Mike Jack were two players that I really enjoyed playing beside in the middle of the park. So... Barry Ferguson, without a doubt, but I just wanted to mention the boys as well. And what's the best practical joke you've seen? <laughs> um, Drink of water before he's telling us this one, Paul. <laughs> see, again, practical jokes, and, I, and I know, I'm not going to tell you this full story because I'm pretty positive that you'll know the one that Gary and Gary Mack and Moffat did. They mentioned the one that there was a 21st birthday party. And they boys basically got you, you heard about it, Paul. So they they basically got tricked into believing it was a fancy dress party, Gareth. Well, I think Mo, I think maybe Moff did mention this. So it's that that's it's probably the only practical joke I can remember. And obviously Moff ended up going as John Travolta, and Gary Mack ended up going as a gorilla. So practical joke wise, like there's there's nothing that really sticks out. It, it was just silly things like the shower gel and the hair and the showers and deep heat and the, the breaks and stuff like that and cutting shoelaces but there's a couple of funny stories that that I was just thinking about you know and, um, it's no actually a football player but it, it must have been a big game so it must have been either I'm thinking either Spartans or or a, maybe a Scottish Cup game it might have been breaking away we, we drew with breaking in the Scottish Cup a few like when Harry Kearney was actually playing with breaking that's how long ago it was Um so we'd drawn two each. I'm pretty sure it might have been breaking. So long journey, beers on the bus. But at that time, the committee were on the bus, the players were on the bus, and some supporters. Now, there was five girls um, who are friends, still friends now, and they used to sponsor me, you know, the player sponsorship. They used to sponsor me. They were absolutely mental, and they were called Girls Are Loud. That's what they called themselves, Girls Are Loud. So... In the programmes of that, Chris Jardin sponsored by Girls Are Loud, and then it would list their names. So maybe they all weren't at this game, but they were on they were on the bus. So two of them were definitely on the bus, Wendy and Laura. And we stopped off, as you do, having a few beers, no toilet on the bus. So we stopped for the toilet at the side of the road. Or the boys are either just probably up against the bus, trying to hide their modesty. Well, the girls were obviously had to go a wee bit further. <laughs> 
So they actually went up the kind of grass verge or into like a field and, and kind of into the distance so they couldn't be seen. So I'm back, I'm back on the bus and then I just see the girls coming here and down the hill. Well, Wendy's forgot that she climbed a fence to get into this field to do the toilet and she's ran straight into this fence. Bear in mind, this has happened when I can't hear anything, so it's happening in silence, so I'm, <laughs> I can't hear her screaming or anything like that, so I don't know how bad it is, but she's hit this fence and she's just went over and came down and hit herself on the other side. <laughs> Honestly, it was unbelievable to see. I didn't know whether to laugh or, or, or run at the bus and make sure she was all right. Thankfully, she'd had plenty of alcohol, so she obviously wasn't that bad and came on the bus. Um, but that was just a funny, a funny story that happened. Um, there was another time we were we were away to Peebles, and the game actually got cancelled before uh, before we we got to kick off. I think it was snow. So as you do, the boys had, had taken beer already. So we got the beers out on the way when we were just about coming back down the road. This I don't know if this is actually funny, but it's kind of unbelievable that happened. So boy Alan Smith that used to play with Spudger. He had the bottles of beer in his bag, but nobody's brought a bottle opener. So you're trying everything, aren't you? You're hitting it off the back of the seat. You're dunting it off, whatever you can find. Um, and Smudger goes, here, give me it. And you know, have you ever seen anybody actually do it with yeah. it? I can't watch, I can't watch it. <laughs> so Smudger's went to do this. And then all of a sudden, you just see blood trickling down his face. He'd bit the top of the bottle off. Bit it? The, the bo- Honestly. I kid you not, he'd bit the top of the bottle and it had cracked, the top came off and it had jabbed him in his lip and he had blood. Oh, oh my days. He's a hardy boy smudger, so he just he just waved <laughs> it and carried on. But I just couldn't believe what I had seen. Couldn't believe it. Um, but I, in terms of practical jokes, there's the, 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 the moth and Gary Mack one, just, that was an absolute belter. It's just a shame they didn't make it into the actual venue. Because they just right at the end they saw one of the other boys going in, because um, that'd have been amazing to see them walking in, John Travolta and, <laughs> and a gorilla, oh. you know, sitting there in a five hundred ones and stuff like that. So, um, but good times. I just, just it, like, there's just so many funny things that happened, and it, especially at Anne, and it's just I've just got such fond memories and and good times of being there and playing. Great club, great club. Hi, my name is Jamie Nesbitt manager of Thornwood United, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Divisions decider. Paul, over to you. Uh, can you remind us of those clues? I think maybe Chris might get this one. <laughs> so they were formed after the town's original team, Kings Park, failed to survive World War Two. Their record victory was 20-0 v Selkirk in the 1984 Scottish Cup. They were the first Scottish team to install AstroTurf. And now a city, they have a medieval landmark that sits on a volcanic rock. What do you reckon, Chris? Chris gets this right, he's jamming. So I'm going to, I'm going to get this deliberately wrong, am I? No, I think I think um, I think it was the same as Gareth. I think with a um with the artificial the first artificial pitch. So uh, I'm going to plump for Stirling Albion. Oh, correct. correct. Is that right? Do you believe that? <laughs> but you got it after 20-0. You've obviously wrote that's that the, on a paper or something. Ah, uh, that was one of the records, wasn't it? Alex Smith was involved, I think. 
there you go. What are you playing out for us, Chris? What what song are you going to choose? I would love to play boys, obviously, but I've got two boys sleeping up the stairs. And ah, I can't. That's, an elect- that's an electric guitar. I'd need to switch the amp on and everything. Ah, you can play that silent. I can't, I can't wait my boys up. Are you buying that, Paul? Nah, I'm getting back on. I'm getting back on. <laughs> Chris, I'll, 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 come, I'll, come, I'll come back on with, with Jimmy Hannity and we'll play American Pie for you the next time. <laughs> there you go. Chris, thanks for, thanks for joining us. It's been a real pleasure well, having you on and uh, thanks, for, thanks for sharing all your stories. We obviously hope things go well for you at Dalbiti Star when, uh, when the season gets going again or if it's next season, whenever it is. But no, really, really enjoyed the, the anecdotes and uh, thanks again for coming on. Much appreciated, boys. Thanks very much for having me. Been a pleasure. Thanks again to our sponsors, 44 Creative. Go to www.44creativehq.com if you're looking for a photographer, graphic designer, videographer, or video editor. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us with your comments or suggestions for people to speak to, or if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Do leave a comment, which helps others find us, and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions.